Hello, good morning. This is Rick Pina, and I'm bringing you today's word for March 15th, 2023. I'm teaching a series on the miracles of Jesus, and we're going miracle by miracle by miracle. This is part 45 of the overall series, part 45. That means that it's nine weeks worth of, of teaching so far on the miracles, and we still have a long way to go. And so what we do here every morning is we go to the word of God, in this case, the miracle. We take a look at what the Bible says about this particular miracle. And then, you know, we get an understanding of what it meant back then. It's very important to understand who is writing to whom, for what purpose, what was the context, what was the setting, what did it mean back then? And then we glean some nuggets for what it means to us today. Every day on today's word for over 25 years, I've been asking this question. Here's the question I ask every day. So what does this mean for you Today, So we're going to go to the word of God. We're going to glean some things. And then we're going to ask that question and glean some nuggets. I want you to open up your heart to receive the miracles of Jesus, part 45. The title of today's message is looking back in order to look forward. We are looking back in order to look forward. I'm going to remember. And as I remember the goodness of God, in my life, as I can look back and be like, oh, glory, Lord, I thank you. Oh, glory, I thank you for that. I thank you for that. I thank you for that. When we look back and remember what God has done, then we can look forward and open up our heart to God's best. You ready? Get ready to receive the word. All right, you know, there was a song we used to sing that said, Jesus, I never forget what you've done for me, right? Jesus, I never forget how you set me free. So put in the chat, Jesus, I will never forget. I will never forget. I'm just not going to forget what God has done for me. I'm going to remember, and it's my, me remembering is going to get me fired up to open up my heart to God, even on another level. Get ready for that. All right, so let's look at Psalms 126 and verse 4. This is a scripture the Lord gave our church, and, and I want to just kind of look at it pretty much every day. Uh, so this is what the Bible says. Now, Lord, do it again. Say, Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again. Restore us into the former glory. There's a level of glory. Basically, the psalmist is saying that we used to walk in and as we as life happened, like, you know, as as we go through life and things happen, sometimes we lose a little bit of that glory. Restore us to the former glory. God, may streams of your refreshing flow over us into every dry area is drenched again. Dry hearts are drenched again. Lord, do it again. Put in the chat, no dry places for me. I don't want any area of my life to be dry or to be dissipated, to be parched. No, we want refreshing and we want restoring. We want reviving. Say, Lord, do it again. All right. So the miracle we're looking at now is is in uh, feeding of the 4,000. Mark chapter eight, verses one through 21. I introduced you to this miracle yesterday. And I want to go back to it again today. And really what I'm focused on is not the feeding of the 4,000, but really what happened afterwards. Because it's it's like afterwards, it's seemingly like the disciples just forgot. Like they forgot what God had done. And Jesus was frustrated with it. So let's teach and let's get into it. So this is what the Bible says. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus fed 4,000 with seven loaves of bread. And everyone ate until they were full. The same thing happened with uh, the feeding of the 5,000 with two fish and five loaves. 
everyone ate until they were full. When they when they fed the 5,000, everyone ate until they were full. And then he told them, pick up all the leftovers. And there were 12 baskets of food left over. In this particular case, and when Jesus fed the 4,000 with seven loaves of bread, everyone ate until they were full. And he said, pick up all the leftovers. And there were seven baskets of food left over. And so after that, after the miracle, after all of this happened, the Pharisees came. And the Pharisees were always paying attention to Jesus, but this day they did something that was somewhat disrespectful. They came up to Jesus and said, uh, basically, hey, Mr. Miracle Worker, um, you know, that you're out here doing all this stuff. You're not sanctioned, you know, by us, by the church. You're not sanctioned by the religious body. You, you, you haven't been ordained to be one of us. You, you're not, you know, you're not recognized as one of the team and you're out here doing ministry. We're not sure if you're from God or not. And so this is what we need you to do. We need you to perform a miracle so that we can judge whether or not you really are from God. <laughs> Jesus was like, oh my God. The Bible says that Jesus sighed. Like, I mean, like, like he was like, oh, really? Like, this is what we're doing now? Jesus sighed and said, why do you people ask me to see a miracle as a sign? I want you to know that no miracle will be done to prove anything to you. I told you yesterday that God doesn't have anything to prove. He's like, listen, I know who I am. I know what I'm called to do. Matter of fact, a lot of people can recognize who I am. These people are following me. The reason why the crowds are following me and not following you is because they actually know who I am. They can acknowledge the anointing of God that's on my life. And so, no, now I'm not going to, listen, just so you know, no miracles will be performed for you today. I have nothing to prove. And when he said that, he was so frustrated that he told his disciples, forget it. Let's get into this boat. Let's get out of here. So they get into a boat and they take off. And when they get into the boat, as the boat is taking off, <laughs> one of the disciples realized that they only have one loaf of bread. And so they're like, oh, snap. Were you supposed to bring the food? Oh, I don't know. I thought it was you. You know, I thought it was Andrew. No, I thought it was Thomas. No, I thought it was, you know, John. And who was supposed to bring the food? I don't know. I thought it was you. And they start arguing over who was supposed to bring the food. And then basically... They start saying, man, what are we going to do? We only have one loaf of bread to eat. Are you kidding? And like, this is almost like ridiculous. Like, it's almost like you can't make this stuff up, right? It's like, what are we going to do? We, we only have one loaf of bread to eat. And Jesus said to them, he says, uh, hey, guys, I want to say something to you. We just had a run-in with the Pharisees. Yes, sir. Come here. Guard your heart. Be careful against the yeast of the Pharisees, the yeast of Herod. What was Jesus saying? Be careful, guys. These people don't believe. These people don't believe who I am. These people are operating with a level of unbelief that if you're not careful, their unbelief can contaminate your heart. Their unbelief can contaminate your faith. So don't do that, right? I mean, because if you have faith, you wouldn't be arguing over, over food right now. Come on, for real? And so the disciples were like, uh, well, maybe he said this because we have no bread. And then Jesus is like, come on, man. You're talking about bread? Really? That's what we're talking about now? It's almost like, remember when Alan Iverson said, are we talking about practice? We're talking about practice? It's like Jesus said, we're talking about bread? Is that what we're doing? We're talking about bread? He says, do you still not see? Are you still not able to understand? He's like, oh my God. I'm with you guys. Every day we've been together for years. You see, you just, I mean, like a few minutes ago, you just saw us feed 
4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. Do you have eyes and can't see? Do you have ears and can't hear? Remember what I did before? He says, okay, look, remember what I did before when we didn't have enough bread? Okay, I, div I divided five loaves of bread for 5,000 people. And when we did that, how many baskets of food did we have left over? They said, uh, 12. Okay, okay, cool. Just now, just now, we just fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. And when we were done, how many baskets of food were left over? Uh, seven? And he says, <laughs> do you still not understand? Like, I mean, like, how in the world do you not understand? I can understand, like, the Pharisees, but why is this happening with y'all? Like, you're part of the team. I will stop here. What does this mean for you today? There's three things, or four things I want to share with you in this morning. And really, it's about remembering so that you don't forget. Put in the chat, I will never forget. All right, so here's number one. It is very easy to focus on the lesser important things in life. It is very easy to lose your focus. These people were walking with Jesus. They had just fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread, and they had seven baskets of food left over, and they get into a boat, and they're like, oh man, what are we going to eat? It is so easy to lose your focus. It is so easy. Look, at the end of the day, like the battle is in your mind. You have to keep your mind fixed and focused on, put in the chat, say, say I will be fixed and focused on Jesus. Right after per performing this miracle, and right after dealing with the disrespect from the Pharisees, we was like, look, there will be no miracles performed for you guys. I have nothing to prove. He like, He's like, man, what is going on? They get into the boat and they're arguing about what they're going to eat. Jesus warned the disciples against the negative influence, the, the negative influence of the Pharisees. He says, listen, be careful that their negative influence wouldn't be like yeast. What the what does yeast do? Yeast, when you put a little bit of leaven, it will leaven the whole lump. When you put a little bit of yeast in a batch of dough, what does it do? It grows and it expands. It infiltrates. It goes throughout the whole thing. He's saying, listen, you got to be careful when you're hanging around people like that. Maybe it's because of, I mean, like we just did the miracle, but maybe on the way to the boat, since I had to run in with the Pharisees, maybe the Pharisees are causing you guys not to believe. Maybe their unbelief is contaminating your faith. Maybe their unbelief is contaminating your belief system and is hindering you from believing. It's a little bit of yeast. You got to be careful. This is why you got to be careful who you hang around with. Like, like when you're believing God for something, let's say that somebody is believing God for healing. Let's say that a, a virus or disease has attached itself to their body and they're believing God for healing. And so they're standing on the word, they're meditating on the scripture and that point, when you're in the middle of a faith fight, you can't surround yourself with people of unbelief. Remember when Jesus got to Jairus's house and he was about to raise the little girl from the dead? The people there were laughing at Jesus. He kicked them out. Like there, there's some points where you can't be around the wrong people. You can't be hearing the wrong things. Jesus said that the, the Pharisees, what they were spewing was like yeast. And that yeast could get down into your heart and it can really cause a whole problem. Jesus was not concerned with food. Are you kidding me? We just fed 5,000 with two fish and five loaves. We just fed 4,000 with seven loaves. And then we had 12 baskets of food left over. Then we had seven baskets of food left over. So, okay, the fact that we have one loaf of bread for 13 people, come on, that's not a problem. And But the problem is that they were focused on the bread and, and, and instead of focusing on Jesus. 
And so Jesus is like, maybe it's because the Pharisees are infiltrating your heart. This is how easy it is for you to lose your focus and, and give your attention to the things that are not important. This is how easy it is for you to major on the minors instead of and minor on the majors instead of focusing on the things that are important with your walk with God. There are people that love God, but they simply lose their focus and they argue about things that are not important. Let me just say this. This is not in my notes, but I'm gonna just share it real quick. Uh, one of the, there's a person whom I love who left our church recently. And I said, well, you know, hey, what's the matter? Everything okay? Oh yeah, man, I'm good, man. It's just some things I didn't agree with. Okay, like like what? <laughs> well, man, I, I don't know, but but there, there are men that come to, to the church and wear hats. And the way I grew up, you can't, if a man can't wear a hat in church. And so when I see men with hats in church, that bothers me. And, and you know, that that's just not right. That's just not right. That's just not God. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, so you're leaving the church because of hats, okay, interesting. All right, then he got into the, like, he was like, hey, man, do you know about, like, let's talk about the end times. Like, do you do you believe in the tribulation? I was like, yes, of course, I believe in the tribulation. Are, are you a pre-trib or mid-trib or post-trib type of person? Meaning that, do you believe the rapture is coming before the, the tribulation, the thousand-year millennial reign and all of that? do you believe the rapture is coming before or in the middle of it or after? I said, I'm pre-trib. I believe that it's going to happen before. Well, how come we're not talking about, we're not talking about this. Do you know about the black Israelites? Do you know, man, you know, they're doing this. Do you know about this? You, and this guy went on and on and on. I'm looking at him and he went on and on for about 30 minutes. And I'm like, man, I can't take this anymore. I was like, dude, why is this important to you? Like, I mean, like we have real things to deal with in life. Like, I mean, there are people whose marriages are falling apart. There's people whose children are wayward. There's people that's battling thoughts of suicide. There's people like, like who have more month than money. Like, like we got real stuff to do. Like, you, there's, like, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not going to be arguing over stuff. Like, why are you focused on stuff like that? It's like the Pharisees, like the Sadducees. You're focused on the wrong thing. It is very easy for you to lose your focus. Like, let's stay focused on the things that matter. And like, like even with that person, I was like, if these things matter to you, then study it. But come on, man. I mean, like, like don't allow yourself to be distracted. Don't, don't, you, you got to be fixed and focused on the things that matter. Say amen to that. You don't want, let me just say it this way. You can put this in the chat. Don't waste valuable focus on invaluable things. At the end of the day, do not waste valuable focus on invaluable things. Jesus was frustrated that they were focusing on a loaf of bread. Like he was like, you got to be kidding me. Don't waste valuable focus on invaluable things. All right, number two, your focus is very important. So let me say this about your focus and giving God your attention. If Satan, I like to say, if Satan can get your attention for five seconds, he will have your attention for five minutes. If Satan can get your attention for five seconds, he can have your attention for five minutes. And so you got to be careful what you give your attention to. If Satan can get you distracted, and that's what Satan wants. He, he knows he can't stop you, but he can distract you. And if he gets you distracted to where you are giving your mind and your focus over to things that don't matter, then at that point, Satan doesn't have to do anything else. Why? Because you are already wasting your time and spinning your wheels. You are already wasting your time 
and spinning your wheels because you are focused on the wrong things. Put in the chat, say, I will maintain a clear focus. I will maintain a clear focus. As long as you are not focused on making a kingdom impact in this world, then you are no threat to the kingdom of darkness. Satan is happy when you're focused on things that don't matter. Satan is, he loves it when you're focused on things that are not gonna, that are gonna keep you so distracted that you're not advancing the kingdom. Let me say it this way. Let's say that you work in the government. Let's say that you have a position of influence. Let's say that you God planted you there because he wants you to impact the people of that, of that department. And there are people that are going to come to you and so that you could pour into them and God sets up divine appointments for you. But if you get focused on the wrong thing, oh, I don't like my boss. Oh, I don't like the way we do this. Oh, why do we have to fill out these forms? Or if you get focused on things that don't matter in life and you're distracted, then when these people come and God sent them to you so that you can pour into them and make an impact and share the love of God and share the light of God, you won't be ready because your mind is focused on other things. See, see, God can use humans in a powerful way, but we got to be fixed and focused on him. God can't, let me say it this way. If you're distracted, then you are of no use to God because you're focused on the wrong things. So that's why you want to give God, put this in the chat, say, I give God my attention. The reason why you should get, like right now, we gave God our attention. We came to him in the morning, Lord, we're giving you our attention. Lord, our eyes are fixed and focused on you. Lord, we're ready for today's word. Lord, we're ready to receive. Lord, our hearts are open. Lord, do it again. Lord, why? So we're giving God our attention. And the reason why we give God our attention is so that he doesn't have to get it. So we give God our attention so he doesn't have to get our attention. Listen, if you're distracted, now God has to go out and try to get your attention. If you're distracted, then God has to go out of his way to try to get you refocused. And so say this, put it in the chat. I will not lose my focus. I don't want to lose my focus. I'm not going to, I'm going to give God my attention. I'm not going to live my way my life in such a way to where God has to get my attention. Because if God has to get my attention, like he did with the disciples, he was like, what are you guys talking about? Are we talking about bread? Is that what we're talking about? Are we talking about bread? Is that what? Wait a minute. He's like, oh, when we fed the, the 5,000, how many baskets did we have? 12. When we fed the 4,000, how many baskets did we Seven. What was he doing? He was like, let me get your attention again. Listen, don't waste God's time. Don't live in such a way to where God has to get your attention because you may not like the way he has to get your attention. You may not like it. So give God your attention on a daily basis. Say amen to that. All right, number three. It is important because I'm talking about remembering today. It is important to establish some altars in your life. Say, I establish altars. In biblical times, altars were a place of remembrance. It was a place of worship and sacrifice, but it was also a physical place of remembrance. The followers of God, they would, when God did something big, they would establish an altar so that people can go back years later or even generations later and say, listen, this is where God did this for our forefathers. And why? Because you want to remember. If you read the Old Testament, you will see all of these altars of remembrance that were memorials of God's goodness. As a believer today, you got to have some altars. You got to establish some altars in your life. The reminder of what God did will help you fuel your faith for what God is doing right now in your life. 
but you got to have some altars of remembrance. You got to be able to look back in order to look forward. You got to be able to remember what God has done so that you can believe God for what he is doing in your life right now. Sometimes you just look back. I can't tell you how many times I look back and I remember, Lord, I thank you for when I got hit by a car when I was three years old, a 1975 Lincoln Continental. I had blood coming out of my ears and my nose and my mouth and I was unconscious. My mother had just lost her husband in a divorce and she thought she was about to lose her son and she lifted me up. Now, I remember that. Lord, you spared my life. Why? Woo! And I remember, and it fuels my faith for, to look forward. I remember what you did when I was 12. I remember what you did in Brooklyn. I remember, and I look back. Oh, Lord, that was good. Sometimes we got to have altars of remembrance. Jesus was saying, let me give you some remembrance. Do you remember when we fed the 5,000? Yes, Lord. Do you remember when we fed the 4,000? Yes, Lord. Do you remember the baskets of food we have left over? Yes, Lord. So why are you arguing about one piece of bread? Come on, man. Like if you can remember and you look back over what God has done, now you will, your faith will be fired up for what God is doing in your life right now. Say amen to that. Put in the chat, say, Lord, I establish altars. Say, Lord, I will remember. All right, number four, last point for today as I close. Altars help you endure as you walk out your divine purpose on this planet. Like, like what you want is, is to be consistent day in and day out. What you want is to add patience to your faith. It is through faith and patience, Hebrews 6 and 12, that we obtain the promises of God. So what you want is someone who is going, who is in it, put it in the chat, I'm in it for the long haul. When you are in it for the long haul, when you have altars of remembrance, when you, when you know that I am in this thing and I'm going to operate with a level of long-term endurance, well, I, there is no quit in me. I will not give up. I will not cave in. I will not quit. Why? Because I will endure until I see the hand of God moving in my life. I, I will endure. I'm in this thing for the long haul. Let's talk about it. An altar was a place of worship. So it was a place where you can go and kill things, but it was also a place where you went and you recommitted your life to Christ. Even today, when we open up the altar at church and say, come up here for prayer, it is a place where you go and you appreciate the goodness of God is a place of worship. It is a place of commitment. It is a place of recommitment. It is a, a place of rededication. You should go back. Sometimes at the altar, you're remembering God is flooding your mind with all of the things that he has done in your life. And you are remembering. You're, you're looking back in order to look forward. Uh, an altar is also a venue for evangelism. Why? Because when you think of the goodness of God, when you think of the goodness of Jesus, and all he's done for you. When you look back over your life and you think about what God has done for you, then that becomes a venue for evangelism. You get to tell your story and you get to tell it everywhere you go. Like the man that was blind, he said, listen, I don't know. I don't know about this Jesus dude. I don't know if, if you think he's right or you think he's wrong. All I know is this. I once was blind and now I see. You got to be able to tell your story and you tell your story by remembering what God has done for you. An altar is also a tool for legacy. Why? Because in the Old Testament, they would take a next the next generation, they would, they would bring them and say, do you see these altars, this altar right here? This was established. Why? Because this is what God did. This is what God did for our forefathers. This is what God did. God, God opened up the waters. God opened up the Red Sea. God opened up the Jordan. God did God poured out his goodness. He poured out, and, and these were altars of remembrance that you can pass on to the next generation. One of the greatest things that I, I got from my mother was because my grandmother on my father's side, I remember her as a little boy, but I, but 
But after they divorced and my father was never really in my life, I don't really know anybody from my father's side of the family. And so, and then my grandmother passed away. And so one of the greatest things for me was learning about my grandmother's relationship with God. I do remember when I was a little boy, I do remember waking up in the middle of the night. We had no bathroom, no, no indoor plumbing. So I had to go like piss in a pot kind of thing. But when I was going to, to, to pee in the pot, I saw my grandmother talking to an angel. It was no, there was no electricity, but she was there. Uh, everything was dark, but in that room, it was lit up. And I saw it with my own eyes. I saw my grandmother talking to an angel. And then my mother told me about all these things that my grandmother did, all these things, like, just like, oh, wow, these are not altars of remembrance for me. I can remember, I can remember. So, so I'm like, Lord, thank you. And, 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 and these are now passed on. So it, just like it was passed on in my generation, I, there are things that are happening in my life that I'm passing on to the next generation. I tell my children, we're going to, we have two granddaughters. We're going to tell our grandchildren, Altars, you have to remember so that you can let people know what God has done for you and you pass it on to the next generation. Altars serve as a source of divine encouragement. So when you can watch this, say this, say I can trace God's, trace God in my life. When you can go back and trace God's goodness. Yep. Lord, I thank you. This is what you did for us here. This is what you did for us here. This is what you did for us here. You know, um, there's a song that says people sing in church. I've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, trusting on the Lord. Uh, but the song says, he's never failed me yet. He's never failed me yet. I don't like, you could drop the yet. Like he's never going to fail. Like, like, I mean, you can forget the yet. He's never failed me, period. Like when you look back and you remember, and I trace the goodness of God and all he's done for me, it, it is a source of strength and encouragement for me to remember what he's going to do in my life. As I close, I'm spending so much time today on remembering because it is so easy to forget. The disciples were with Jesus and they forgot. Like they literally just fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. And a few minutes later, they got into a boat and they were complaining because they had one loaf of bread for 13 people. It is so easy to forget. It is so easy to allow the yeast of the Pharisees to infiltrate your heart. If you're not careful, a little yeast, a little bit of unbelief, a little bit of, well, you just never know what God might do. A little bit of like, you know, you just never know. You're believing God for, for healing. You're believing God for a breakthrough. You're believing God for, for your family member to get out of this bed in the hospital. And somebody walks in and says, you, well, you know, God can heal them by just taking them to heaven. <laughs> oh, well, excuse me. That's not what I'm believing God for. So you're going to have to leave. Like, I mean, like that little bit of that, that stuff will become yeast and it will infiltrate your whole belief system. Like if you're going to believe God, you're going to believe God. And you got to be very careful not to allow unbelief to contaminate your heart. Put that in the chat. Say, I will not be contaminated with unbelief. You don't want, you don't ever want unbelief to contaminate your heart. You want to be feeding your, your heart with a steady diet of God's word, but you're a believer and not a doubter. You walk by faith and not by fear. And so what you don't want is this unbelief to spread through your heart like a virus because it will disarm your faith. It will cause you to disengage your faith, but that's not going to happen to you. That's not going to happen to me. Why? We're meditating on the word of God. Today was all about remembering. We look back so we can look forward. Let's close this message out with a declaration of faith. I want you to lift up your voice and speak this over your life. Say, Father, this is a season of refreshing and restoring for me. You are restoring me to the former glory. You are refreshing my heart 
to believe on the level that I once believed. Every dry area in my heart will be drenched again by the fresh outpouring of your spirit. I remember what you've done in my life and I will never forget. I look back over all you have done and it encourages me. I refuse to forget your goodness. And I also will not allow past victories to keep me from future successes. So I look back, but I don't get stuck there. I look back in order to look forward and I will never give up. I will never cave in. I will never quit. Say this, forward ever, backward never, greater is coming for me. I declare this by faith in Jesus' name, amen. This is today's word. Please apply it and prosper. If you're not getting these messages, go to todaysword.org, click on the big red subscribe button, put in your email address. You're going to get all my notes in your email inbox every day for free. Listen, I love you. God loves you more. I want you to have an amazing day. Look back in order to look forward. While I was preaching, while I was teaching, the Lord was reminding you of all these things that he's done in your life. He was doing it through the Holy Spirit. And now you're encouraged to go out into this day and open up your heart to believe the same God who did it then, he will do it again. Leave me some comments in the chat if this message is a blessing to you, and then share this message right now on your social media, on your timeline, and with your friends. Have an amazing day. Look back and look forward. The best is yet to come. God bless you. If you enjoyed this content and you would like to know more about our ministry or you would like to partner with us in what we're doing in the Caribbean, being a blessing to Haitian children in the Dominican Republic, then please go to ripministries.org. You'll be able to find out more information there. And if you'd like to make a donation, all the donations are tax deductible in the United States. A few months ago, the Lord impressed it upon my heart to set up a coaching and mentorship program. And Isabella and I set that up. And so now we make ourselves available on three different levels for those that want access to us and to learn things about maximizing your potential, increasing your personal productivity and fulfilling your life's purpose. If you're interested in that, go to patreon.com forward slash Rick Pina. And then lastly, we have several books and products on rickpina.co. These are products designed to help you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord, Jesus Christ. We have apparel there that will help you represent the grace life. Thank you so much for being a blessing to us. And we pray that our ministry will continue to be a blessing to you. 